Hey everybody, this is Jonathan, and I need you to drop what you're doing right now, whatever it is, and go to podcastawards.com and nominate Trivial Warfare for an Adam Curry People's Choice Award and for a Games and Hobbies Award. Last year, we won the Games and Hobbies Award, which was fantastic. Uh, If we win five years in a row, they'll actually name the category after us. You know I kind of want that, right? Because I really do. Uh, But we can't even get on the slate without your nominations. We have to be in the top 10 of nominations to make it onto the slate. Uh, And then it goes to a critical judgment of which shows are objectively uh, more entertaining or better or whatever you want to say, right? So the part that we can control is getting on the slate, and we can only do that with your help. So you have to go to podcastawards.com and nominate Trivial Warfare in the People's Choice category and the Games and Hobbies category. Thank you guys so much. This is the last chance you're going to get to do it. Uh, the, the nominations close on July 31st. So literally, this is your last chance. Let's prove why the TWA is the best audience in podcasting right now. All right, let's get on with today's show. Recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. Take these broken wings, it's Mr. Mister. Broken wings. Oh, Son of a beasting. Chris. I oh. thought it was about a tree falling. Oh, I thought it was talking about a person going down. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, really? Carmella. My vodka's telling me that no, they didn't. And the answer is yes, they were in 1854. You lied to me. <laughs> ben. Jonathan was literally, he was literally about to break things. He wasn't kidding. Oh he was God. about to get it from his desk and destroy something valuable. <laughs> and the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now here's your host, Jonathan Oaks. Hey, everybody, this is Jonathan. I am probably in a car driving back from the airport right now. I spent all week in Philadelphia and then most of the weekend in New Jersey and then at the end in New York there. And I had a marvelous time. Unfortunately, because I was having a marvelous time, uh, there was no chance for us to record and edit an episode to get it out this week, except that we had already recorded an episode. It just wasn't a standard episode. So what I've done is I've taken one of the awesome bonuses that I had already recorded and I edited it a couple of weeks in advance so that I could release it today when I knew that I wouldn't have time to get another thing done. Okay, so the bonus episode that I selected is the all art show and it's just a really good episode. It was really well done. Uh, I'm very happy with the questions, the contestants. Everybody was fabulous. So you're in for a real treat. This is a Trivial Warfare episode dedicated to the art of art. And with that, I'm going to pass it over to me to get today's show started. Hey, guys, this is a bonus episode of Trivial Warfare. I'm very excited because I've wanted to do an all-art episode for quite a while now, and we are finally getting it done. Nolan Warner is here with me. Nolan is going to be hosting the show. Hello, Nolan. Hi there. Welcome, my friend. 
Hello. I am here with our three contestants today. First up, Jeffrey Seguritan. Jeffrey, how are you, my friend? Great. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Uh, we have a true artist in the room. Dustin Resch is with us today. Hello, Dustin. I don't know about a true artist, but hello, everybody. <laughs> and we, I'm a hack. And we have one of the best art trivia players I can think of with us. Tara Whittle is here. Hello, Tara. <laughs> hey, y'all. <laughs> Way to start off with some pressure there, Jonathan. No pressure at all. I'm just calling it Thanks like I see it. <laughs> so we're going to have a lot of fun today, but let's get to know you guys a little bit better. Nolan, let's start with you. Tell everybody where you're from, what you do, and I'm going to ask you all what your favorite piece of art is, regardless of whether it's a painting or sculpture or whatever. Uh, And this isn't something that you're committing to for the rest of your life, so don't feel too much pressure about it. So Nolan, uh, where are you from? What do you do? And what is your favorite piece of art? I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I work in the pharmacy field. And ooh, favorite piece of art, jeez, I've got a couple of original comic pieces that are on my walls. So I've got a J.H. Williams III on my walls. Yeah, what's it? Uh, what? from the from the Black Glove. Very cool. He's a comic artist. Mm-hmm. Let's see though, like fine art. No, hey, if that's your favorite ooh. piece of art, I'm not judging it. I think it's awesome. I mean, if I could really get a Frank Quietly piece, that would be awesome. But he n- almost never sells original art. Gotcha. Very so. cool. All right, uh, Jeffrey, remind everybody where you're from, what you do, and what is your favorite piece of art? Yeah, so uh, I live near Princeton, New Jersey. I'm a sales forecaster in the pharmaceutical field. And uh, my favorite piece of art, I would say, is uh, Pablo Picasso's Guernica. Wow, that's powerful. It, it was one of those paintings that when it was first introduced to me, you know, the person that had sh- you know, the, the teacher that had shown it to me had really unpacked all the meaning and the symbolism behind that painting. And it really fascinated me, like how much, you know, a series of images can really convey a lot about, you know, the generation and the zeitgeist of, of the period. Very cool. Thank you so much. Mr. Resch, tell people, you were just on the show recently. Tell people where you're from, what you do, and what is your favorite piece of art? I'm from Denver, Colorado. My day job is also uh, pharmacy adjacent. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the same field with these guys. Uh, I do web design and front-end work for a pharmaceutical tech company, but I'm also uh, an illustrator. I sell at Comic-Cons, and I'm trying really hard to break into the children's book writing and illustrating world. And uh, so my favorite piece, I'm trying to figure out, should I be classy or pop arty? But honestly, until I see it in person in 3D and it di- disappoints me, it's Michelangelo's Pieta, the big sculpture one. From the photos I've seen, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Is that the uh, is that the one at the Vatican? Yeah, I, yeah. I have seen it. It is so I'm pretty not, incredible. I'm not sure if they'll let me in, like if they have you know horrible heathen screeners at the door, but. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully I can convince them that my art interest is worth letting me in. You must be at least as Christian Tanter. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) All right. And uh, Tara Whittle, tell everybody where you're from, what you do, and what's your favorite piece of art. So I live in Troy, New York, which is upstate about two hours north of New York City. It's the home of Uncle Sam, the real person that was Uncle Sam. I work for a management consulting firm that specializes in inclusion and diversity, mostly in large companies. So the only non-pharma person here. (laughs) Uh, No, I'm I'm not pharma. I'm the oddball. We have consulted to pharmaceuticals, though. 
So close, <laughs> close. So my favorite piece, so way to start with a question I can't even answer. Oh, I know, it's so hard. You can pick two it's or three hard. if you it's want. Like, it's like picking, you know, which molecule of oxygen you like most. I love that when I asked the question, I saw you turn your head, you were like, oh God, what am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, I was, do- so, I was doing that too, so. So, you know, there are a million things, well, not a million, that's an exaggeration, but there's so many I could say, and I think I'll stick with my favorite artist, who's John Singer Sargent. And Madame X, which, you know, it's one of his most well-known paintings. It's pretty recognizable for a lot of people. But the story behind it, the story behind the subject, um, the story behind how he painted it and why and what he worked on at the same time is so fascinating. And then when you see it in person, it's so different from so many portraits of the era, uh, which is why he got a lot of flack for it. But just the artistry of it, which you, when you get up close and she's got that beautiful black dress and you get close and you see that it's really just a mass of black paint with very few white smudges to create these intricate, lush folds of the silk. It's, it's phenomenal. Did you happen to get a chance to go to the Gardner Museum in Boston? I did not. Oh. And I know they have a lot of Singer Sargent there. They do. In fact, the 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 portrait of Miss Gardner was the the main piece there. The piece de resistance is a portrait of Miss Gardner mm-hmm. uh, by John Singer Sargent, and it is it's it's pretty strong. It's great. Absolutely. His his portrait work is just uh, I can't say enough about it. Yeah, fantastic. That's so cool. I'll tell you all what my pieces of art right now. My favorite piece of art is. And it's probably more of an artist than than a piece, uh, but it's hanging on my wall because I'm not classy at all. I'm not. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna give you a Renaissance painter or artist. I'm gonna tell you Leonid Afromov, who paints mm-hmm. with. Um, he uses the palette knife instead of brush stroke, and he brings out so much color into his art. He's a a local artist here in Florida, and I have. One, two, three, four. I have like six originals uh, by Afromov. I just can't get enough of it. Fantastic artist. Really love him. It's funny. I remember you saying that you were wanting to get art for your walls and look into what really would hit you and, you know, be something you'd enjoy having your on your walls. And I remember immediately thinking of his work. And then when you said that's who you had started buying pieces of, I was like... That's amazing. What? But I didn't know he was from Florida. Yeah, well, he's not from Florida, but he lives in well, Florida. Well, he lives in. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it, it's what's really interesting is I thought I was just going to buy prints, but th- he doesn't sell prints. He literally recreates whatever the painting you love is. When he sells it to you, he paints it again. So it's not they're not all 100% perfect rep- wow. representations, wow. but they're all originals. And that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. special. That's pretty cool. All right, guys. Well, I think it is time for us to get started. So it is time for Warm It Up, Chris. It's time to warm it up. A trivial warfare today. And there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA. And that's Chris. And sometimes Jonathan. And since we're going to get into a lot of really high-class art and high-class kind of topics, I thought we'd keep this light and fun. So I've got a list from the complex.com that they rated the top 25 best comic strips of all time. Oh, man. <laughs> so we, uh, I'll give you a couple of hints before we get started. 
they are not going to be a lot of, say, um, there's not too many of my father's and grandfather's generations of comic strips here. And this is comic strips, not comic books. Uh, it is specific to Sunday comics. And it's about 50-50, say, between like 70s and 80s, or maybe stronger 80s, and then uh, late 90s and 2000s. That's kind of the range you're looking at. There's one or two that are from well earlier than that. Okay, because like my first guess would have been from the golden age of it, from like the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah, no, so that's why I gave from, the from hint. when they were really, really popular. That's exactly why I gave the hint. <laughs> All right, so we will start with Jeffrey. Jeffrey, I'm looking for a comic strip that's in the top 25 as rated by Complex.com. I'm gonna say Family Circus. Family Circus, not on the list, my friend. Oh no, <laughs> there's a there's a start for you, <laughs> Dustin. Your turn. Oh, I'm so glad I get to say it. The Undisputed King, Bill Watterson, and Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes was number one. That on was the, list. the first one I wrote down. <laughs> All right, Tara, your turn. I'm gonna go with Peanuts. Peanuts is number three on the list. Great job, Nolan. Um, I'm going to think it's a little further down the list and hope they were going for influential ones. I'm going to go with Pogo. Pogo is number eight on the list. And that was, I thought that, I thought that would be further down just because it was so influential on people. So I've never heard of it. And I figured nobody else was going to guess it. (laughs) Apparently it was this little green dragon. I have a Pogo figure actually. Oh, okay. Uh, Jeffrey, your turn. Can you make up for family circus? Hopefully. Um, I'm going to say Garfield. Garfield. Golly, dude. Garfield. Siri Garfield. Number 21 on the list. You you hit the oh, list. I'm teasing. Just made it. <laughs> I'm teasing. Jim Davis is Garfield. Uh, Dustin. Uh, Doonesbury. Doonesbury by Gary Trudeau. Number five. Good job. Took my other pick. Tara. So I'm going to say... Hmm... The Far Side. Hit number two on the list, Gary Larson's The Far All right. Side. Yes. All right, Nolan. Uh, let me go with Foxtrot. Foxtrot is not on the list. Ooh. All right. Jeffrey. I'm going to go with <laughs> oh. Hagar the Horrible. Hagar the Horrible. <laughs> Number 24 on the list. You Dang it, Jeffrey. the edge. She got so excited. <laughs> oh, that's not the one I got excited about, though. All right, Dustin. Uh, I'm going to try for Boondocks. Boondocks, number uh, nine on the list. Uh, you stole another one of mine. <laughs> each, each one of these came with an example of the strip on the page, and I laughed at this one. Uh, it showed uh, a field of snow, and there was a, a a white person who was totally bundled up, and they were jogging for exercise, and there were two young black people kind of off on the side, and the only words in the entire strip was one of them turning to the others just saying, white people. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminded me of my ex-wife, and I just started to laugh. <laughs> all right tara your turn all right let me pick from one of these probably wrong ones that i have written down hmm it's a tough choice i'm gonna say kathy kathy didn't make the list 
Oh, I was surprised. I thought she was going to be there, but she wasn't on the list. Uh, All right, we're going to go. We're going to do Nolan, and then one more time around. Okay. Um. Unfortunately, I have a lot of obscure old ones. I've got to hope that they remembered the incredible popularity of this strip. I'm going with Little Abner. Little Abner Ooh. was not on the list. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Little Abner hasn't been on any list of things people remembered since 1980, though. Yeah, I that, literally, that was kind one of, of the like, ones they got called out for. Remember, though, it doesn't say the 25 most influential. They they listed it as the 25 quote-unquote best. I'm just trying to think of ones that were, like, phenomenally popular that may have slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Like Gasoline Alley. Which, again, like I said, hasn't been the answer to a trivia question since 1971. Still hasn't. That's what I thought. All right, Jeffrey. I'm going to – I think this is a comic strip. I, uh, I'm going to go with Mutz. Mutz is not on the list. Uh, the art is really good in that one. All right, Dustin. Uh, this has got to also be in the top five, uh, Bloom County. It is number four. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That you you have Another knocked pair. out the entire top five. Good job. There are three left in the top ten. Tara, your last shot. Well, that was going to be my last answer, so I'm going to move down the list and say Blondie. I thought Blondie would oh. be here, but it is not. Oh, I know that. Dang it! That seems like a miss to me. All right, Nolan, you're going to wrap us up. Okay, um, I'm going to go with the same logic I used before that didn't work and go with Barney Google or Snuffy Smith, depending on what time period <laughs> they're talking about. to go with about. two answers. Uh, neither... well, it, it started as one title and then moved to another, like how Thimble Theater moved to Popeye. I see. Neither one of those are on. on the list. That's kind of what I figured. All right. <laughs> Here is the rest. Number six, Crazy Cat by George oh. Perriman. Number seven, oh. Matt Groening's work before he started on The Simpsons is Life in Hell. Hell. Life in Hell. Uh, Mark Tatuli's Leo is number 10. Jerry Scott and Jim Borgman's Zitz is 11. Reuben Bowling's Tom the Dancing Bug is 12. Scott Adams' Dilbert is 13. Oh. I know, right? Oh <laughs> Stephen Pastis' Pearls Before Swine, 14. Oh yeah, Wiley I've Miller. Had that on my list. Wiley Miller's non sequitur is fifteen, and the example they used for non sequitur was hilarious. By the way, that's a good strip. I did relate to comedy. Mother Goose <laughs> and Grimm is sixteen by Mike Peters. Uh, Get Fuzzy is seventeen by Darby Conley. Uh, the oldest one that I saw here was Dick Tracy by Chester Gold was um, eighteen. Oh, I know. Uh, Pluggers, number 19 by Jeff McNally. Sherman's Lagoon, 20 by Jim Toomey. BC is number 22 by Johnny Hart. If you remember the Cavemen comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cul-de-sac, number 23 by Richard Thompson. And last but not least, when somebody gave Hagar the Horrible, I thought this was going to be the next pick because number 25 is Beetle Bailey by Mort Walker. I had that on my list. I should have gone with it. Beetle Bailey and Hagar the Horrible were always right next to each other for me. <laughs> yeah, right there. Uh, Wizard of Id and Andy Cap. I was like, oh, one of these has yep. to be there. Oh, and how did I forget to put Andy Cap on my list? Well, it didn't make it if you did. So wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. I, yeah, I thought the one the one that was probably the biggest that you guys didn't name in my book would have been Dilbert, I thought. Yeah. yeah. 
That that one we were all growing again, forgetting for sure. We're 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 all thinking of desk calendars. We weren't thinking of desk calendars instead of Sunday papers, right? I was thinking of Sunday papers, but Sunday papers in the forties, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> Those definitely sounded made up. Are you sure Paul didn't make this list, Jonathan? <laughs> he might have. At least half of the strips are fictional, for sure. Today's game is going to be a triple threat match between Tara, Dustin, and Jeffrey. Nolan is hosting, and it is time to play the game. Play us. Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literature himself, cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you ten points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. All right, Nolan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, I'll just make comments as we go, but uh, you're running the game. I want to point out we've been trying to do this since August of 2018 in episode 79. <laughs> you first oh, brought wow. that point up. And then in episode 162, you said it, art was one of the most hated categories on the show. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I don't know if I said most hated, but I think it's the least, one of the least represented. Art and Shakespeare. Now that's true. But there's a dearth of Shakespeare as well. If you, oh, we should totally do a Shakespeare episode. Somebody Art and Shakespeare was one of my Jeopardy categories. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm oh, not okay. a big fan of basketball as a category, just in case anybody forgot already. <laughs> but basketball <laughs> art, I could go for that. Walter Ios Jr. Got it. Okay, question one. The category is calligraphy. Kufic and Thaluth are styles of calligraphy associated with what language? One of the six official languages used in UN meetings. I'm locked in. And can you can spell? Can you spell that yeah. second one at least? If can not you both spell of them? Yes. both of them, please? <laughs> yes. The first one, Kufic, K-U-F-I-C. The second one, Thuluth, T-H-U-L-U-T-H. I'm going to lock in. Huh. Calligraphy. So when I look at how these things are spelled out, it, it doesn't Initially, I was going to go with an Asian language, like uh, Japanese, maybe Mandarin, or but the spellings don't really lead me in that direction. And I don't know if it's just the way it is, or if I should be thinking elsewhere. Uh, and you said it was one of the six official languages for the, the UN meetings? Yeah. Okay. So that makes me think it's probably a, you know, a really widely spoken language. Uh, could be like Arabic. Could be you know one of the languages on the Asian subcontinent. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Arabic. I, I don't know this one. Okay, all three of you are locked in. Tara. So I you know I'm a little bit nervous about whether this is really one of the six UN languages. I quickly made a list of what I thought those languages might be and came up with what I thought were what, what may be more than six. I'm not sure what I got wrong here, but it doesn't seem like a fit for any of the others on my list, so I locked in with Arabic. You just made Jeffrey feel better about himself. <laughs>
Dustin? Also Arabic. Okay. And Jonathan actually had me rewrite this question to say it that way. The correct answer was Arabic. Nice. And I, gave, I gave you a thumbs up on that because that was a brilliant rewriting. <laughs> nice job, guys. All I did was add the part about the UN. I thought that narrowed it down for That's you. That's a, a good bit. add. Great. Yeah. I know. It would bring everybody to Arabic or Chinese, though. <laughs> okay, question number two. The category is museums. The J. Paul Getty Museum, the most visited art museum in the United States named after a person, is located in what city? I'm locked in. I'm locked in, too. Well, I was going to lock in now. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm relatively sure I just got an, a question about this wrong while watching Jeopardy, but I believe that it is Los Angeles, California. I'm going to lock in with that. Okay. Tara? I love L.A., Los Angeles. Jeffrey? Um, I visited this last fall, Los Angeles, California. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing place. Yeah, the parking gorgeous. garage is like 500 feet below ground. It's crazy. I want to make a motion that anything that involves traveling to places in the United States, Jeffrey's just disqualified from. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, he has um, a point. He has a point. The correct answer is Los Angeles. All right. If they said Pacific Palisades, I would also accept that because the Getty Villa's there and they share works. I don't think AB did, but if you did, that is the correct answer. Question three. The category is family connections. What surname is shared by the father who was the famous impressionist painter behind the painting Dance at Les Moulins de la Galette or Baldu Moulin de, de la Galette? One son who was an actor in the film Children of Paradise or Les Enfants du Paradis? One son who was the filmmaker who directed La Grande Illusion? One son who was a ceramic artist? And a grandson who was a cinematographer and actor. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> there was a lot. Well, I'm there. locked in. <laughs> I will lock in. <laughs> okay. I think there are two pieces from from the question that might be um, leading me to what I'm going to lock in with. I think the first one you talked about impressionists of a painting called uh, Moulin de la Galette. The other one about. Uh, some kind of filmmaking background. And so I'm going to lock in with uh, Renoir. Okay. Tara? I also locked in with Renoir. I believe this was a uh, learnedly question last season, wasn't it? Or there was something about the filmmaker. If it was, I missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Dustin? But I didn't know there were that many family members. Wow. I I knew I had heard it. Somewhere, and I'm certain that you're right, it was that I missed it in Learned League. But I also, something triggered, and I put Renoir. That is correct. Renoir is the correct answer. I am suitably impressed, folks. After the end of the first round, the scores are 30 to 30 to 30. Any minute now, Tara's just going to start stomping on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll... (laughs) We're, we'll see what happens. This is this can go a lot of different ways. Round two. Question number one. The category is body art. The terms Tom Oko and Kiri Twee refer to the tattooing style of what group? Can you spell, please? Yes. Tom Oko, T-A space M-O-K-O. Kiri Twee, K-I-R-I-T-U-H-I. I'm locked in. I am locked in. Oh. 
So, hmm, I don't know this. And these words seem Japanese to me, maybe, that's leading me in that direction. Um, and I keep thinking about the, I don't think it's going to be anything like super traditional. I keep trying to think of what is the name of the Japanese mafia. Oh. The ones that like cut the fingers off mm. or, or, you know, allegedly do that. Who knows what's true in that case? And I cannot think of the name. So I'm trying to think if this triggers anything else for me. Thanks a lot for jinxing me there. <laughs> what was that that said that? I was dusting. I didn't do that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to go with Japanese mafia and just lock in with that. What the heck? Okay. Jeffrey. So um, I didn't go the Japanese route. When I think of body art and tattoos, uh, I, I I went. I was thinking of like you know the movie the the piano. So I went with Maori. Dustin. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a thousand or three thousand miles away from right in the Pacific, but I also had Maori from New Zealand. Yes, the correct answer is Maori. That's good. Um, and the Japanese mafia are called the Yakuza. Yeah. Um, I Tomoko is the version that's on the face that has like the genealogies on it. Mm. Um, and Kiratui is, it looks like that, but it doesn't have the same uh, sacred significance. Very cool. So it doesn't have the same issues of um, non Maori using it. But Maori is the correct answer. This beard Question. is all just a cover up face. <laughs> I thought the beard was a tattoo, I thought that was three dimensional art. <laughs> I like to joke that there are tattoos under the beard, but <laughs> question number two, the category is sculpture. And I swear I did not know who the contestants were until like 15 minutes before we started recording. Uh-oh. Made most famous by Michelangelo in a 1499 sculpture, <laughs> the term Pietà technically refers to any artwork that depicts what subject? Jonathan can attest that was in the first set I sent him like two years that ago. That is an old <laughs> question, yes. I'll lock in since that was me that brought it up before. Oh, I'm locked in. I'm sorry. I, I, I just okay. circled it. I thought you were, but say it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just thinking about what you're um, looking for precisely. Cause when I think of the Pieta, it's, it's the Virgin Mary with her, I guess her dying son, Jesus. And so are you looking, I mean, that's the scene. I mean, that's, I guess that's what I'm going to go with. Virgin Mary with, Jesus. Okay. Um, you're locked in with that? Yes. Okay. Tara, what is your answer? I said the Virgin Mary with Jesus. I will need a clarification on that. So, Well, not the baby Jesus. Yeah, he's just looking for you to be a little more specific. I'm not sure I can clarify at this point. He's looking for you to be a little more specific. Jeffrey was... Well, it's, it's like the death of... It's like her with you know Jesus and he's dying and... Okay. The, Dustin... Yeah, I also just wrote Mary holding Jesus, but I would clarify that it's the post-crucifixion body of Jesus that's in her lap. Okay. Um, yeah, a virgin Mary holding a dead or a dying Jesus. It's hard to do it when, when somebody else is um, obviously thinking it out and talking it out loud, and then yeah. it becomes more specific. But I noted— Yeah, but there's no, I noted, there's no reason you can't use his reasoning. Exactly. Right? Like— it's not like yeah. he stole the only correct answer and you can't have it. And his, That's true. His version of it was when he said it, he talked it out and said it enough to where Nolan knew that's what he was referring to. 
even though you guys said the exact same thing for your official locked in answer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm fine giving it to all three people. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They're both okay. All right. At least you didn't ask us to draw it out. No, <laughs> Dustin would have won that. I might make you draw a duck in a tamashanter, though. You have to watch out around here. <laughs> okay, question question number three. Architects is the category. Architect Aro Saarinen, son of the architect Eliel Saarinen, designed both the iconic tulip chair of the 1960s as well as the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Before becoming a naturalized American citizen in 1940, what was his original nationality? I'm locked in. I'm in. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. So you're both locked in? Yes. Yes. Oh. They're locked in. Nationalities always make me question myself. Like, wait a second. I think he is Saracen. Uh, mm. Would you like Nolan to spell it? Oh, no, I know how to spell it. Okay. I can see it in my mind. I'm just trying to narrow it down to... Hmm. I can tell you lots of things that he designed. I'm just going to go with what I wrote down, my original jotting down off the top of my head and not talk myself out of it, even if it probably is wrong and say Swedish. Okay. Jeffrey. So I visited the Gateway Arch this past weekend. and <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Nobody travels. I was just at the birthplace of Sarsen. Nobody travels so, more than Jeffrey. It is no, unbelievable. No. So uh, I believe the answer is Finland. Justin? Yeah, so this is one I used to talk to my father about a lot, like when we were doing Sunday Crosswords. He grew up in a part of Wisconsin that had a lot of Finlanders, and uh, so it's the double vowels in both names that would have given it away, even if we didn't talk about Erosarin in a lot. So it's Finland. He's um, Finnish. It is. Correct. I would also have accepted the Grand Duchy of Finland or the Russian Empire. All right, that is the end of the second round. We do have a little bit of separation. Jeffrey and Dustin have 60. Tara has 40. 60 to 60. That's all my fault. I'm sorry. And that was a strong jinx, Dustin. Don't ever jinx me, bro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just learned something, though. Whenever I try to actually curse people, it doesn't work. If I say, (laughs) if I, it's the reverse psychology curse. Like I jinxed her by saying she would defeat me. How many? That's a good thing to know. How many times have you actually tried to curse somebody, though? That's what I want to know. Yeah, this is a little alarming. <laughs> I'm like, my, yeah, my, my basement, my basement is littered with, among other things, like failed voodoo dolls and <laughs> oh man, <laughs> the yeah. bones of my enemies. <laughs> yeah, not... I'm still holding yes. my prediction for the. So before the show, I had said that there was a name I had been mispronouncing the entire time, and. Um, Tara made a prediction as to who the name was. So we're going to check that at the end. All right. Wow. I think someone else. Did someone... Jeffrey yeah. make one too? Yeah, I Jeffrey has one written over there too. Holding up pieces of paper. <laughs> this all happened while you couldn't get me on Skype. I would have left to have been part of that. Yeah, yeah, you missed out, buddy. I mean, if you want to guess now, you could, but. Nah, that's cool. Round three, question number one. The category is modern art. What modern British artist was well known for the 1991 work? The Physical Impossibilities of Death in the Mind of Someone Living, which features a shark cut into three pieces and preserved in tanks of formaldehyde. I'm locked in. I am also locked in. I'm reasonably sure I could write stuff down and talk about stuff all day and never get this locked in. I'm sure that I've heard about it, but nothing is coming at all, so let me just... 
<laughs> this is this would be a really good time to silently brainstorm if I wasn't on a podcast. No, but now you get to brainstorm um, out loud. It's awesome. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's feeling hopeless. So, uh, <laughs> Just can of- you tell me the name of the piece one more time? The physical impossibilities of death in the mind of someone living. And it's a shark cut up into three pieces, and he's modern and British. And I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to go back to an old answer and say Bill Watterson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. Tara. So this would be Damien Hurst. Jeffrey. I also said Damien Hurst. The correct answer to that is Damien Hurst. Nice job. Now, Dustin, come on. How many people do you know that work in the medium of dead sharks and formaldehyde? I mean, it's a pretty Clearly specific zero is niche. The answer to that question. Evidently, evidently, Bill Waters had dabbled in it. Yeah. It was Cal- one Calvin of the and- Calvin Hobbes project. The original version was Calvin and the three-part Jaws. Yeah, it wasn't, Jonathan, it wasn't like I was torn with a dearth of, you know... A vast plethora of shark mutilation artists to choose from. Is that there? I I understand now. Now I get it. Okay. Category uh, question number two. The category is architecture. What annual prize? One of the most prestigious prizes in architecture, awarded to a living architect, consists of a cash prize as well as a medal with the words "Firmitas Utilitas Venustas" on the back. Or when there's tasks, depending on how, if you want a V or a W for the V in Latin. I'm locked in. I am locked in too. Yeah. I need to lock in faster with the things I absolutely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you could always I, go with Scott Adams or Charles. <laughs> I was going to Walt Kelly or something like that. Um, I'm, I, I had things flash through my mind and it feels like I've run across this recently and uh, for some reason spin guard metal popped in my head and then I'm certain that that's an NAACP like literature award ah man it's a lot easier to do the uh, talk out your answer when you have a teammate (laughs) ain't it though (laughs) so true and just judging myself so harshly while I'm sitting here thinking of not anything. Now you understand the pain of my position, Dustin. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do have to solo a ton. It's true. I feel like that's probably not got a lot of information in it, unless I still knew the thing. <sighs> so we're going to go Man Booker Prize. Tara? <laughs> oh. I wrote down Pritzker Award. Jeffrey? I wrote Pritzker. And the correct answer is the Pritzker Prize. Can we get a, a gif of Dustin's reaction? <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> it's the same moment when Harry Potter found out that curses can rebound. <laughs> when someone has good defenses. Don't you want to compliment Jeffrey's gameplay about this point? No. Oh. Well, he's being kind to everybody, and he's, yes. Oh, you, you want me to curse him is what you're saying. I can't afford to blow two rounds from karma coming after me for cursing people. So you curse him. Let's <laughs> see what happens. I just said he's playing a heck of a game. That's all I'm saying. I would not mess with Jeffrey. That goatee is intimidating. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to point out also I'm the only person here with no facial hair. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's true. 
Do you want to go? Do you want to take a timeout so we can get a clip on mustache for you? <laughs> I, I, I'll just keep moving. We just keep okay. going, just like this. Question number three: The category is artists. What frequently imitated Czech artist, one of the founders of the Art Nouveau movement, and frequently referenced in contemporary comic books, was known for the painting La Patère, as well as painted advertisements for absinthe and other products. Oh, no fast lockers. Uh-oh. All the joking I'm about perfect in. games has just rebounded on everybody. Oh, I'm locked in. Oh, never mind that. Boy, that, Jonath- that Jonathan's pitching a perfect game over there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've gotten everything right. <laughs> I only saw the questions three times before the show. <laughs> My experience li- listening to Trivial Warfare is this is usually when Jonathan starts singing some song to totally distract oh. the other <laughs> By the way... I sang something some yesterday that Carmela actually said was really good and clapped for. And it was like, oh, my God, she actually thought I did well. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I, I could stop now. I finally achieved something. Was it Wait, are you going to stop singing on the show? Really? Almost certainly not. Almost. No. It's impossible. I do it in real life. My, my coworkers tease me about it. Nolan, can you spell La Pater? Sure. L-A space P-A-T-E-R. Okay. Can you do that with the clipboard facing the other way? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dustin, do you want to talk out loud, or do you want me to lock uh, in? Uh, <laughs> Who wants to lock I, in? I, I laugh at y'all making decisions about whether you lock in based on whether the other person wants to talk. Just lock in. <laughs> I'm not ready to lock in, certainly. So if you are, I will try to do this out loud. Then I will lock in. I've I've got one written down that I'm certain is wrong. The the person that I know is the right answer and the name is is having trouble getting into my brain. I've had students that imitate this person. It's an incredibly famous and influential artist. I can picture the art. I may have to go with this other name just because I I can't. It's easy to look to see the art. It's just hard to come up with the name. I have I have Erte written down, and I'm certain it's wrong. It's the other one that... Oh, 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 I might have it. Okay, um, Muka is what I'm going to lock in okay. with. That's the All one right. I'm trying to get. Tara? So, um, well, I jokingly first locked in with Jim Davis. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just wrote... Then instead, it's like, well, let me at least write down an artist and a real person, and I wrote down Klimt. So what kind of threw me off about the question was Czech artists, because when I think of Art Nouveau, you had described a painting that sounded French. I, I And then you said like an absinthe poster. It, it kind of led me towards one direction, even though it didn't quite jive in my mind as far as being Czech. But I wrote Toulouse-Lautrec. Okay. I'm really glad nobody caught what I said in the beginning from J.H. Williams III, because if you've ever seen any book that he did, you know immediately that it's Alphonse Mucha. Nice. Oh, wow. Oh. Like, if you've seen all of those old absinthe advertisements, he's the one who did that. So Yeah. Erte, I know, like was posterized a lot, but Mucha is the one that everybody, wants, including me, wants to draw like. He's nice role there. I could totally picture those advertisements and they are copied a ton and they're reproduced a ton and you get them on, you know, tea towels and dessert plates and posters everywhere. But I was never going to come up with that name. All right. So that is the end of the third round. We have some some interesting scores now. It is 80 
to 70 to 60. Jeffrey, Dustin, and then Tara. 80, 70 to 60. Dustin saved himself there with, with Mooka. Fingers on the cliff. <laughs> All right, we're going into uh, the midpoint. Okay, the midpoint question is going to be in November of 2017, a record price of $450 million was paid for a painting called Salvatore Mundi, attributed to Leonardo da Vinci. As of today, there are 10 other painters that have sold a painting for a price over $150 million, not adjusted for inflation. For four points each, please name any of these artists. And there is a bit of a twist to this round. There are up to 10 correct responses, and you can give any number of them, but the order that you give them will matter. You'll receive points for each correct answer, but you'll be eliminated after your second incorrect answer. Is it after your second incorrect answer or your first incorrect answer? First incorrect answer. I'm sorry. Okay. So the way it's going to work is you're going to make a list of the 10 that you think are there. The first name you give that's incorrect eliminates the rest of your list. So if you give nine correct answers, you can get 36 points. If you give two correct answers and then say somebody wrong, you're going to get eight points and the rest of your list doesn't matter. Is that correct, Nolan? We can get points for all 10 if we don't miss any? If you get all of them correct, yes. And thank you, Jonathan, for explaining that because I tried to rewrite it like three times and you did it twice as well as I did. (laughs) And this is... $150 $150 million not adjusted or adjusted? Not, not adjusted for inflation. So now that they know what they're trying to accomplish, go ahead and read the whole thing again just to, just to cement it. Absolutely. As of today, there are 10 painters that have sold a painting for a price over $150 million not adjusted for inflation. For four points each, please name any of these artists. And this is just for paintings. So, I thought this was an innovative twist to the midpoint when it came to scoring. I'm excited to see how it works out. A lot of size and <laughs> I know. <sighs> you guys know. I'm trying to remember what you called Ben Sai, the disgruntled, uh, disappointed, it's, whatever. It's the um, frustrated introvert Sai. Introvert Sai. Yes. Yeah, we have a regular game here in uh, New Jersey that has that same format. I love it because it really swings things, and you, you know, it it just adds that element of um, you know, just kind of thrill and suspense at the end. I was not expecting they would torment them this much. Oh, I knew it would. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is. I was like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> like, the pressure is incredible. This is the difference between 12 points and 40 points. This is huge. This is a lot like you singing to make us not be able to think. <laughs> Reiterating the pressure. I think I have my lists set. All right. I'm getting there. I'm just debating my last two. Make sure you have them in in the order you want to read them. Okay, I'm done with my list. This is as good as it's going to get. All right. We have some Helen Hunt on that list. (laughs) (laughs) I have no line. Art in that movie, drawing, yes. Due to the magic of editing, everybody's been agonizing at this for like 15 minutes. So, Tara, let's go first. Okay, so this really bugs me because maybe a year ago at my Tuesday trivia, a question was asked. It was basically like, name the 10, some some subset of the 10 artists who have sold paintings for the most, ama- most amount of money. And, and I'm trying to, there's some artists that I've listed here that I cannot remember, and we argued vigorously over what to put down for this answer last year. And some of these, I cannot remember if we put them down and they were wrong, hmm. or we didn't put them down and they were right. 
So it's funny how all that just blends together. So I went in order, Van Gogh, Monet, Picasso, Renoir, Modigliani, Chagall, Dali, Rothko, Warhol, which that's my question mark because his are kind of actually screen prints, but he's generally considered in the realm of painters. And then I felt like there had to be some old master on this list, and I steered away from the rest of my possibilities and finished out the list with Vermeer. Okay. Okay, Jeffrey. Okay. Um, I think I'm fairly certain about the first name on my list, but after that it kind of – who knows? So I have for number one uh, de Kooning, for number two – Picasso, for number three, Gauguin, for number four, Rothko, number five, Modigliani, number six, I have Renoir, for number seven, I have Klimt, for number eight, I have Cezanne, for number nine, I have Warhol, and for number ten, I have Basquiat. Okay. Dustin. There's one. I'm going to scream when I hear it read because neither of you guys have it, and I don't have it either. There was one recently that just got on this list that I hated. Um, So what I've got is uh, Van Gogh. I've got Bacon, uh, Picasso, Pollock, Rembrandt, Clay, Michelangelo, Warhol, Rothko, and Clifford Still. Warhol. Ooh, I love Clifford Still. Still. Okay. Um, Jonathan and I are... I know exactly how many points each one of them has. It's going to be in the single digits then, if it was that fast. Should I start with the correct answers, or... Yeah, go ahead and just just go ahead and read the list of ten, and that they'll, they'll know what their own score is after that. The ten correct <laughs> answers are Willem de Kooning, Paul Cezanne, Paul Gauguin, Jackson Pollock, Mark Rothko, Rembrandt, Pablo Picasso, Amadeo Modigliani, Roy Lichtenstein, and Gustav Klimt. The ones that barely missed the cut were Munch, Basquiat, Jasper Johns, Andy Warhol, Vincent Van Gogh, Claude Monet, and Pierre Auguste Renoir. So the scoring on that, Jeffrey got five right before giving a wrong I answer. I have five for him also. So he has 20 wow. points. And both Dustin and Tara started with Van Gogh, who was just out of the money. So zero, wow. zero, and 20. I had Jeffrey, this one. is when you're going to kick into gear and really start beating us. No, no. Yes, that's what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm aware of that. I'm trying to. It's a little late for that, Dustin. Come on. <laughs> I know. The timing stinks. <laughs> when both of you started with Van Gogh, my heart literally <laughs> dropped. I was like, oh. This is all the adjusted for inflation thing then, right? That was the prices adjusted for inflation would have put it over that, but not adjusted for inflation would not have. So how how never long been it, a Van Gogh that sold for over $150 million? Uh, that's a, I double-checked the list when he sent me that question. We can double-check it again, but I believe he's right. And how old is the list that you're using? Uh, and I, I think, can pull it when you put the question. I'm double-checking that. Hold on. Let me see. 
I, have I thought one. someone no, just set a record like that wasn't on any of our lists. Let's see. They're real, real primitive, well, like homunculus. No, I don't things. think so. I think that's right. Yeah, Van. I think like Basquiat most was only a one million. I could find was eighty one point three million, and that was sold in nineteen ninety. That was the portrait of wow. Doctor Geisha or Gachet. Gachet. Yep. Renoir was yeah. right below oh, that, right. and um, Bacon was right above that. Bacon was the cutoff between Klimt and Bacon. So I take it there won't be a special episode where you have to order your answers. <laughs> no, no, actually, I, I don't think this went poorly. This is exactly what I, I didn't expect just like that, but... Yeah. I want to order some bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to cost you $112 million. Oh, jeez. All right, so after the midpoint, the scores are Jeffrey with 100, Dustin with 70, Tara with 60. All right, we're ready to kick off round four. Round four, question number one. The category is photography. We're going with the other things, photography. <laughs> I, don't think that, I don't think that's going Photograph- to catch on. Really. Photography. Photography. I like it. I really don't think that one will catch It's on. not going to be a common category, but I do like it. Photography. Somewhere out there, Ben just <laughs> groaned and just doesn't even know why. Like, oh, no, there was like, any oh. science questions, so I had to put something in. <laughs> what is the name of the photographer famous for a 1991 magazine cover of a pregnant naked Demi Moore, as well as a photograph of John Lennon taken hours before his murder? I'm locked in. I'm locked in, too. Uh, oh, so I guess I get to talk. Okay. Wow. I remember this Demi Moore cover. Didn't she have like body painting all over? No? She was just covering. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. I must I be love the demonstration, completing Dustin. it with something else. Yes. Thank you for covering it. I up, need a Dustin. sticker of that, Dustin. You specifically. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on that sticker. <laughs> I want a picture of Dustin, too. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about that inkling question about the Patty Smith, Patty Smythe, Patty Smith, Patty, Patty Smith, that was Maplethorpe. Okay, so the things I've got running through my head are Maplethorpe and Annie Leibovitz, and I feel like I've heard this fact about John Lennon before, but I don't know. It is not coming to me, and Annie Leibovitz is. Much more known for portrait photography than Maplethorpe, so I'm just going to go with Annie Leibovitz. Okay. Uh, Terrace locked in with Annie Leibovitz. Jeffrey? I locked in with Annie Leibovitz as well. Dustin? Make that three. Okay, the correct answer is Annie Leibovitz. Nice job. Everybody's back on track. One. Question. One Leibovitz. Ah, 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 ah. Question number two, category, prehistoric works of art. Discovered in 1908 in Austria and dated between 28,000 and 25,000 BCE, a famous 11.1 centimeter high fertility figure is nicknamed the Venus of Ware. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Oh, gosh. Can I give that in inches or? No, that's fine. Okay. I, I know. I know roughly how big that is. Yes, we need you to do some uh, conversions really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Four rods to hey, the hog's head. If the dollar amounts can't be adjusted for inflation, then this can't be adjusted for <laughs> Fahrenheit. 
I feel like I should know this, but I don't think it's going to come to me. Austria. Is that your answer? No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to latch on if there's a place in Austria. That was that an I extremely pregnant pause. <laughs> For a fertility goddess. Question. I know. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an Austrian city, but that I can't put together in my head. Um, yeah. I mean, instead of making up an Austrian city, I'll just go with another famous Venus and I'll just say Venus of Milo and just lock in with that. Okay. Tara? I went with Venus of uh, Willendorf. Mm, that sounds. Uh, Dustin, I feel like I've run across it recently, and that sounds right. But uh, anyway, I put Leipzig. The correct answer is Willendorf. Nice, nice job. That was a learned league question, also this season, I believe. Oh. I do believe, but my... also extremely well known in terms of prehistoric or pre yeah. Yeah, prehistoric art and. Fertility goddesses, and it's even featured. Did you see the young pope with Jude Law? Yes, I did. There's not where he they have you know they you know allegedly have it in the Vatican and oh wow fascinated with it. It's like oh my god, pretty cool. It's actually yeah. not at the Vatican though. Yeah, I wish Wait. the Learn Lead archives were there because that would have been a good place to study from for this. <laughs> That's the truth. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Wait, I got a question right that Jeffrey didn't get I know. right. Oh my god! That was I was thinking to myself that the was the f- never cease. That was the I first time right. you could make up I ground. That was like the easiest question in here too. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, I, mean, I immediately wrote that down when you started reading it. Nice. So. I'm certain I got and it I, wrong. I learned. I was just also. waiting for that moment, you know, when Carmela is reading questions and Jonathan's like, "Oh, I know that. I know that. Oh, she just read the thing I know." <laughs> I was with that moment, but luckily it didn't happen this time. All right. Question three in round four. Question three. The category is comic strips. Artist Windsor McKay was known for the pioneering animated film Gertie the Dinosaur, as well as comic strips such as Dream of the Rarebit Fiend and Lil Sammy Sneeze. His best known comic strip is probably what comic strip? that ran from 1905 to 1926 and inspired a 1989 animated film. Oh, lucky. It's like we started a game in a library all of a sudden. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. You make noise, the monsters can find you. <laughs> Personally, I thought this was the hardest question in the set. By far, I think, the hardest question oh, you've asked so okay. far. So this is definitely Curse of Knowledge. Yeah. As someone um, who's obviously a comic you know, aficionado... Sorry, I thought you would have gone you. with the uh, film. Well, mm. I'm just going to lock in with the guests. So yeah, okay. So I get to talk. Yippee! This is the fun part. Uh, so I'm going to just start off with I have no effing clue on this, um, and I'm racking my brain about what 1989 animated films, and you know. Everything I can think of is too early for that. I mean, too late for that. And I'm not seeing any connection between the other names of comics and like any sort of like anything that gives me some sort of feel or subject matter. So, you know, I think all of the Disney stuff, first of all, is based on, you know, 
fairy tales and, you know, well sourced material. Like, and I think even the earliest one, like Little Mermaid, is later than 89. I don't think it's any of the Japanese, like, you know, I know Spirited Away is too late for that. I don't think any of them go back that far. So, you know, the only thing I can think of, oh God, is like, you know, that takes me to 89 would have been my freshman year in college, which takes me to kind of Don Bluth territory. And so I, you know, if I have to toss a coin, I would say the land before time. Okay. Jeffrey. Am I naming the movie or the, wait, I'm naming the, the strip. They would have the same title. Okay. Well, good. Because I don't have anything other than that anyway, so I'm going with that. Okay. Sorry. I, I thought about Land Before Time. Um, I didn't go with it. I just, again, I, I really have no idea. I just went with uh, Heathcliff and stopped at that. Okay. Dustin? Um, yeah, I had, we studied Windsor McKay in History of Animation class, and I've seen Gertie the Dinosaur. His early work was amazing. Uh but yeah, I, ha- I was having to go for the movie as the entry point, and I ended up in the same place as, as Tara. I, Tara, I did uh, Land Before Time, okay. knowing he was the dinosaur um, guy. The the name of the strip is Little Nemo in Slumberland. I would have accepted Little Nemo or the later Talatad in the Land of Wonderful Dreams. I absolutely should have That's a movie, too? Little Nemo in <laughs> um, Slumberland, yes. Wow. Yes. In the Land of Wonderful Dreams was the later title that it had when it was syndicated wait, later on so in the So this is 20s. not the Pixar... It's not Finding Nemo. Nemo. No, no, no. no. Finding, Nemo. Finding Nemo. Okay. It was, was made like, into two video games also, Nemo. but I don't think that would have happened. I was about to say, the, there's, a, there's a Nemo series of video games where he's like running around in his pajamas in the 90s. Yeah, that's... And that was based on this. Oh. I, I guess nobody else actually watched that movie. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize that, <laughs> hey, I realize that was going to be five minutes of cricket. Nolan, you don't, either. you don't have to apologize for asking a question. Nope. Nobody gets just because they don't know it. Doesn't mean it's not a good question. <laughs> Absolutely. As soon as you That's said true. it, I can picture the comic strip and it's beautiful. Yeah. Like Windsor McKay's art was incredible. I was kind of hoping that did come up in the 25 most influential questions in the warm it up, Chris, because that was one of the ones I had on my list. I wouldn't have I used like, it if, if it was. Uh. All right. We're going on to round five and going into round five. The scores are 110 to 80 to 80. Jeffrey has the lead. OK, round five. Question one. The category is painting. One of the most famous works of French neoclassical painting and an iconic image of the French Revolution, what 1784 painting by Jacques-Louis David depicts three Roman brothers taking an oath in front of their father on their swords, while their sisters, married to the men they will be fighting, cry in the background. I'm locked in. I'm locked in, too. I'm going to have another sitting here saying nothing at all kind of a... Might I suggest Mort Walker? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I know I've seen it. I'm going to say the Marciers. <laughs> okay. And take the X. All right, Tara. So this is, I'm a huge David fan. Huge. Love his work. Um, this is Oath of the Horatii. Uh, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah. I also have Oath of Horatii spelled T-I-I. I wasn't yes. sure if that was the right pronunciation, but. The correct answer to that is The Oath of the Horatii, 
or Horatii. In French, it is Les Sommets des Auras. And mm. so that is the correct answer. It's interesting um, studying and learning about the French Revolution. The Death of Marat is a is a uh, popular work, right? And so, but you learn a lot about yeah. David when you learn about the French Revolution, and in general, you find out, like so many other people, how unsavory some of the people whose work you like truly can be. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a fantastic painting. Though. Oh yeah, it's great. Yes, it's all like angles and power, and you it's got like the angles of the feet swords. High too. And- yeah. <laughs> kind of that classic depiction of men as strong with all the triangular motifs and then the Absolutely. women are soft and weepy and this, you know, amorphous line and everything. It's yay, sexism through the ages. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a beautiful uh, piece, but contrary to everything that you do and teach and think about. Right. Well hopefully two questions from now I can make up for that. Oh. Ooh. Uh, uh, that, a uh, foreshadowing in a trivia game. Whoa. <laughs> uh, question number two. The category is architecture. Paul Revere Williams, the first African-American member of the prestigious American Institute of Architects, designed more than 2,000 homes between 1921 and his death in 1980. He also designed the famous Arch-themed building located at what American airport, which received its current IATA designation in 1947? He also designed the famous what? Arch? The Arch theme building located at what American airport, which received its current IATA designation in 1947. Uh, just to make it clear for you guys, the, it's, it, the proper name is literally theme building. Those, so those are capitalized. Okay. So it's arched, and the name, the name of it is the theme building. Oh, okay. I'm going to lock in. Okay, I'm, I'm locked in. Oh, wow. Um, Apparently that was useful information. <laughs> no, that was our not really, but I got you. Okay, this is probably an airport I haven't visited. <laughs> so let's see. I mean, I, I'm my head is leaning towards uh, you've got the airports in New York, kind of near the Harlem Renaissance. Could be a southern airport, like in New Orleans, or I mean. Arch would also be suggestive of of St. Louis as well. Uh, in 1947, I, I don't think I'm going to get much clues from that. Um, I think both New York airports were after 1947, so I'm going to rule out LaGuardia and, and JFK. I'm just going to guess the, uh, the, the Louis Armstrong Airport in uh, New Orleans, since I, okay. I don't really know. Tara? No, it's funny. I've flown into that airport a couple of times, and I cannot picture what it looks like on the outside at all. You know, I also, hopefully, it's not a mistake to have veered away from LaGuardia because I don't know when they renamed that after LaGuardia. Obviously, it's not JFK, but I went with LAX. Dustin. Um, for me, it's, it's funny. The archiest airport I could think of is one of Aero Saarinen's. <laughs> right. <laughs> the first thing about the man. The 1947 is the only entry point my brain seemed to have is like trying to eliminate things based on that that date. So I went with the Wiley Post. Okay. Where is that? Yeah. yeah. I think it's in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, it may not be an airport. It may just be in my brain. It sounded like a newspaper. <laughs> no, there was a guy named Wiley Post. But 
Sorry. He was a famous pilot. I told you in 1940s, before then, most places used two letters, and then they added X as the third one. Uh, Would that have helped? It was LAX. Nice. It's that white thing that has the... Right. All right. Round round five, question three. Okay. Hopefully this makes up for uh, question one in this round. Category is artists on film. The painter Lille Elba, born Einar Wegner was one of the first people to undergo gender confirmation surgery in 1930. She was married to another artist named Gerda Wegner. Their story was the basis for the 2015 film The Danish Girl. For 10 points, name one of the actors who portrayed the leads in the film. And for a bonus five points, name the other actor. And so you just want us to name either one of the actors and then for bonus, the other that played the leads? Yes. I'm locked in. Well, wait a second. Is this one where you have to get the... The order that you say it in matters, so if you get no. the answer wrong, you don't get the bonus? Uh, How does this work, no. Jonathan? Uh, this is a case where... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Nolan said no. No, you can get the bonus even uh, if yes. you don't get the first right. So either All one... Right. Well, get... I'm locked in. I'm locked in as well. well. I don't want to have to talk about how much I don't know this. <laughs> I am, I'm trying to think of Scandinavian actors primarily and... Uh, failing to even think of the first one I was trying for, which is the, she's the new Lara Croft. She was in Ex Machina. Have you tried Eloise Saarinen? And I don't know whether actors was an indicative term for gender. I'm guessing that it is not based on the nature of the question. I think she was even the uh, original Elizabeth Salander in the the Swedish version of uh, Dragon Tattoo, and I'm just trying to get her name in my head. And uh, it's certainly possible that these are both British people or American people or Icelandic or South Korean. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to... Maybe s- Brazilian? Chilean, Brazilian, possibly. Yeah. Certainly from somewhere on Earth. <laughs> Maori? Galapagin, perhaps? <laughs> Too soon. Uh, so I'm going to say uh, Sarsgaard for one and oh god I can't believe I can't I'm sure she's not even right but it's really making me nuts that I can't think of somebody who's that famous right now uh, so I'll say Bjork for my second okay. one uh, Tara so there are a, are a couple of movies that came out around the same time and I could be confusing one of these with the other but I think this was Eddie Redmayne and for the bonus I'm going to go with Kate Blanchett okay Jeffrey so this is one of the movies I have not are seen. you kidding <laughs> I didn't know and those existed I, I should get around to seeing it oh <laughs> it's possible this movie doesn't actually exist I really? let's go <laughs> but I don't know uh, I know of the movie um, I was a little scared when you started off the question because I had no idea of the names that you were throwing out. But when you said the Danish girl, um, I had an inkling of um, the actor and actress in the movie. So um, my main answer was Eddie Redmayne, for which I think he was nominated. I think um, this. my bonus is the actress who I think was nominated and won Best Supporting Actress for the part – which um, is one of my favorite actresses today, um, Alicia Vikander. Okay. Um, 
So if you haven't seen this movie, go see that because there's an, one of the greatest performances ever put on film. The main role was played by Eddie Redmayne, and the other role was played by Alicia Vikander. Got a lot of swear words I want to say now. Unfortunately, neither Stellan Alexander or Bill Skarsgård would have been cracked answers. <laughs> Dustin was right <laughs> when he said the, the new Laura Croft. He had the idea. Yes, Alicia Vikander did play Laura Croft in the new movie, yeah. and you talked yourself right out of it. No, he couldn't come up with the name. I know, it wasn't that I talked her out of it. It's that I couldn't get the name. I... I I would have said her if I could think of what the heck her name was. Oh, what was the nuts. What was the movie with Kate Blanchett? It was. It um, had a woman's name as the title, didn't it? Yeah, that was Carol. Like, Carol, right? yes. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of Carol. That's yeah, I was thinking. thinking or, yeah. I knew. I was, I was thinking. Told us went to Orlando for a second. But I was like, that was like 25 years earlier. No, Carol mm. and the Danish girl were roughly, I would say, within a year of each other, if not the same year. All right. Well, that is the end of the fifth round. Big swings in the scores. We had a sweep and a skunk. Tara sweeped the round. She now has 110. Swept the round? I'm bad at grammar. Swept. Yes. There you go. Jeffrey hit 25 points. He has 135. Dustin got skunked. 80 is his current score. It is 135 for Jeffrey, 110 for Tara, and 80 for Dustin. Ouch. Yeah, that's a burn right there, man. Going into round six. Round six, question number one, monuments. In 1981, 21-year-old Maya Lin won the competition to design the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. At the time she submitted her design, she was an undergraduate student studying architecture at what university? I'm locked in. I'm locked in. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. I feel like I should know this. Hmm. So the first thing that came to mind was, so, you know, when I do my daily walks, you know, in the area, um, in particular, uh, Princeton University, there's, uh, you know, there's kind of insulation that's sort of um, about to be set up that is going to be designed by, by Maya Lin. And I don't know if that means she went there or that's just a site that they picked for this new installation that will feature her art. Um, the other university that I had in mind was Yale University. So for me, it's between those two. Oh, my gosh. If I didn't know about that art installation, I would have said Yale University because I, I felt like that's kind of – that's what I had associated Maya Lin with. I'm going to kick myself if I get this wrong, but I'm, I'm going to lock in with Yale University. Okay. Tara? I also locked in with Yale. Dustin? I also had Yale. She was an undergraduate at Yale University. Can I waste a tiny bit of airtime talking about her? Okay. Sure. A good friend of mine, uh, Dow Pumiruk, uh, that's a children's book artist here in Colorado, just uh, illustrated a biography for children of her that's fantastic that everybody should check out. It's, It's called Maya Lin... And there's a subtitle, something with light. And uh, the other thing was that uh, my wife used to volunteer at the VVM and once wrote a very nasty letter to Jeopardy for accepting Vietnam War Memorial as an answer when it's the Veterans Memorial and specifically was meant to not uh, memorialize the war but the people. Oh, wow. All right. Question two. Question two. The category is photography. What controversial American photographer who died in 1989 – had a show called The Perfect Moment, 
featuring three portfolios called X, Y, and Z that consisted of gay S&M pictures, flowers, and nude pictures of African-American men, respectively. I'm, I'm locked, locked in. in. So, so, so I, when I found out I was going to be part of this show, I, I was really paranoid. So I started watching some documentaries and, you know, trying to prepare myself for this episode. And last night, I, you know, I went on to HBO and there was this documentary that I had watched called, uh, um, I think, Mapplethorpe, uh, Living in Images or something like that. And so I, you know, I had learned about this artist and, you know, basically everything that you had described um, in the question. So I'm going to go with uh, Mapplethorpe. Okay. Tara. It's Mapplethorpe. Dustin. Mapplethorpe. Yeah, I mean, the listeners won't be able to see that we were both shaking our heads because Tara had just said that name five times while thinking about an earlier question, but it was Robert Maplethorpe. Okay, And it was also answer. a learned league question last season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the correct answer is Robert Maplethorpe. When you were talking during the Leibowitz question, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, oh, man, oh, she's not going to like that <laughs> in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not so much that, I mean, I wrote it down at, what was the first, what were the first three words? Like this photographer who died in 1989 or whatever, that yeah. like, yeah. I'm rewriting the answer. Your head now, started so. shaking right yep. then. <laughs> All right. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> okay. Round six, question number three. Can this the be about something is- I haven't talked about yet? Can I be for that? We could be more uh, comic strips. would be something you haven't talked about. Yes, of course. The category is public art. Along the north and south walls of the main room in what American building, located one block east of the United States Capitol building, will you find sculptures of famous figures related to its function designed by Adolf Weinman? I will lock in. I'm going to lock in. I think last year I was in, in Washington, D.C. Um, around this time. So I can picture the U.S. Capitol building, but I don't have a good sense of what's north, south, east, and west of that. I know the uh, I know the U.S. Supreme Court building is not too far from that. Depending on the direction, it could also be any of the Smithsonian museums or the National Gallery. But then you said it was functional, so that makes me think it might be an official building and not necessarily a museum of some sort. I'm going to go with the U.S. Supreme Court building as as my guess. Tara? Supreme Court building. That's what I wrote down. I like that answer a lot better for being functional. I had Library of Congress trying to think of position, but like, how exciting is it to do statues of librarians? (laughs) (laughs) It's just... It's just 15 Deweys, right? There are some fantastic (laughs) librarians out there. Of course. Especially the ones who are... I took that as a serious question. How exciting. Very exciting. I mean, some of the best researchers in the world right there. Especially the ones who listen to this podcast. Okay, uh, the correct answer is the United States Supreme Court building. Nice Nice. job. We're going into the final. It's actually going to be a old school final where you're putting something in order. Oh, Oh, great. <laughs> well, it was an awesome question, so I sent it to him before they actually switched the gauntlet. That's a while ago. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Tara has 
swept the last two rounds. She starts the the final question with 140. Jeffrey kept pace this round. He's going in with 165. Dustin has 100. It is 165 to 140 to 100. And what is the category for the gauntlet? Renaissance artists. So each one of you will write down your number and circle it. My wager's locked. I'm mathing. This is always not my Mm -hmm. job in... On our Monday games, there's no final wager question like this, so we never have to worry. Our biggest argument is what's our team name. <laughs> and on our Tuesday games, we, there is a final wager, and my job is always to drink my drink while other people math. <laughs> Take that as you will. Hey. I was told there would be no art. I don't know what kind of show I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> my wager's locked. Mine's not. <laughs> That's why we're drinking our drinks. There you go. See, you see, you learn quickly. I'm going to drink my drink, too, because that's what I do. I see a water. I see some kind of massive energy drink that uh, a double yeah. shot of energy. Yeah. I would just like to say that today I have not been drinking Diet Coke for two weeks and four days. Ooh. Oh, well. Which is a awesome. big achievement. That's fantastic. Great job. I've given up my Coke addiction. Oh, my goodness. I enjoyed a very large rum and Coke during the second round. <laughs> All righty. Um, okay, wait. Okay. I'm locked in. You circled that like four times. I did, with blue pen instead of pencil. I heard it. Ooh. I know. That's really locked in. That's super locked. Super lock. All right, Nolan. Place the following Renaissance painters and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle namesakes in order of their age at the time of their death. Ooh. Donatello, Leonardo, Michelangelo, and Raphael. So how old were they when they died? In order from lowest, from, from youngest, youngest to, oldest. to oldest. Shredder goes last, right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I stepped on my own joke. R.I.P. James Avery. You know, so I just got to say that, you know, my sole preparation for this show was finding my headset that did not work and confirming with Jonathan what, when the heck I was supposed to be here. (laughs) So some of us did not study, but the one thing I thought of is I probably ought to study those Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, I thought that. That would have been a safe bet. I, it's funny because I laughed to myself when Jeffrey mentioned that he watched like documentaries and stuff in preparation. Cause I thought to myself, am I the only person that does not prepare when he goes on a show? Cause I don't ever no. do anything when I'm going on a show. Yeah. I, I had an audition for Jeopardy. I spent like a month beforehand studying well, like sure, but two that's, to four that's hours. Different. That's real money. I've, I've. I've successfully auditioned four times for that show, and I've never studied for those either. Yeah, I never studied for the audition. I studied a little bit for the actual show. Sure. But, no. I I, I have a hard time making myself do that. I tend to just learn through osmosis and getting things wrong and then learning them the hard way. Okay, so let me think about actually answering this question. All right. <laughs> I'm locked in. I might be locked in. I'm just looking at my answers and trying to decide how much I hate them. We'll wait to hear the blue pin circle it. <laughs> uh, yeah, what the what the hell? I'm locked in. I'll even circle it in the blue pin. Nice. Uh, That's official. Okay. Uh, I guess I can 
talk it out? Yes, sir. So when I visited Rome, the um, you know one of the places I visited was the Pantheon, which is where Raphael is buried currently. And I remember them saying something about how he might have died young. So I I'm leaning towards him as youngest to have do- um, youngest age at the time of his death. Donatello, I, I have no reference point as far as whether he died young or died late. So I'm, the rest of this is going to be kind of a crapshoot uh, if assuming that even my first answer is correct. So uh, I think I'm going to lock in with Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Donatello. One, two, three, four. Okay. Tara? So I also had this vague inkling that Raphael was the youngest or was young when he died. So I wrote down Raphael number one, Donatello was the second oldest, Michelangelo the third oldest, and Da Vinci Leonardo, sorry, Leo, the fourth oldest, a man Leo. You mean youngest, right? I mean... Wait, are we going youngest to oldest, right? Youngest yes. to oldest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, okay. yes. The oldest being Leonardo da Vinci, the youngest being Raphael. So Raphael, okay. Donatello, Michelangelo, Leonardo. Yep. So I'm, I'm starting to wish I would have gone with my original strategy of just doing them in Roy G. Biv order of their face mask. <laughs> <laughs> Which that would have been really cool. I, I, I think that, right? that Jeffrey, I think Jeffrey's answer might actually have been in that order. I didn't check. But uh, I never been to Italy. Um, I seem to remember there being a story about Michelangelo having some tumultuous times, and I thought that he might have died youngest. So my order is Michelangelo, Raphael, Donatello, and Leonardo, just because I know I've seen pictures of him with, like, self-portraits with gray hair and beard. Okay. So, going in order, the first one to die was... Raphael, born 1483, died 1520 at age 37. Next one, Leonardo da Vinci, born 1452, died 1519, age 67. Donatello, exact date of birth unknown, around 1386, died 1466, age around 80. And the last one to die, Michelangelo, born 1475, died 1564 at age 88. Wow. So everybody, Wait, did we all just get it wrong. Everybody missed it. This is going to come down to wagers. And in Roy G. Bib order, it would have been Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo, and Donatello, which would have been incorrect. Also, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start with the person who went in with the least points and see what strategy he chose. Dustin, what did you wager? Did anyone write down a prediction of how many points I would end up with? Uh no, I don't think so. Because. No. Batting from behind and knowing this was probably going to be tough, uh, I just swung for the fences and I bet 100. Well, that, that, That's the way Jonathan beat me. Literally the opposite of the way I would have bet in your shoes, but interesting nonetheless. All right, so Dustin finishes with zero. Tara, you had 140. What did you wager? I wagered 39. 39. You were not going to fall behind Dustin, no matter what. There you uh, well, I was going to, well, I mean, I could have if he yeah, got yeah. it right. and we, Yeah, but yeah, that was my uh, blue pen circle. All right. <laughs> so, Jeffrey, if you wagered 64 or less, you'll finish in no worse than a tie. 
so I knew Dustin was going to bet the farm, and he had 100, so I wanted to cover 200. So I bet 36. 36. 200. Jeffrey is going to finish with 129 points. The final scores are 129 for Jeffrey, 101 for Tara, 0 for Dustin, and Jeffrey is our art champion. Well done, Jeffrey. Well done, Jeffrey. I was not expecting this. Congratulations, Evil Human so Spreadsheet. I, I did not expect it was going to be this hard. I thought it was going to be, you know, 150-ish would be a good score. I so. thought that these scores were fantastic. Are you kidding? 160? Yeah, they, they were a lot high. They were higher than I thought they were going to be, but I thought, like, 150 was going to be the high. So Yeah, I thought these were great. Um, so what was your prediction for what name I was mispronouncing the whole time? Oh, oh, it was totally... It never even came up. Oh, no. Oh. What was it on there? Rankush. Oh. Ooh. Is that really how it's pronounced? Allegedly. Wow, I've been wrong forever. What was your, yeah. what was your prediction? My prediction was uh, Van, Van Guff. Oh. No, it was actually Mucha. Oh. I always thought it was Mucha. <laughs> I see. Oh. Yeah, I was not. Uh, believe it or not, that didn't even enter my head as a prediction. I was going to think it was. How is that spelled? I thought it was going to be Mapplethorpe. M U C H A. Which is what he said. Yeah. All right. Wow. Well, guys, I hope you had a good time. This was everything and more than I could have hoped for from a full art episode. I thought the challenge was just right. I thought the players did a great job. I am super happy with this. I have to admit, I love I loved the warm it up, Chris, that you put in. It was better than the oh, one I had. Well, you love comic strips. I think that was that was perfect for you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that is going to wrap us up. So for Tara, for Nolan, for Jeffrey, and for Dustin, my name's Jonathan, and this has been a bonus episode of Trivial Warfare, where it's not just trivia. It's war. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Trivial Warfare. To learn more about the show and become a warhead yourself, visit TrivialWarfare.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or in any other good podcast app. And find us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Trivial Warfare. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. If you need help with your podcast, find it at propodcastingservices.com. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Guys, today's game, it's going to be a triple threat. We have Jeffrey versus Dustin versus Tara. Nolan is hosting. It is an all-art episode, and it is time to play the game. All right, Dustin, I'm going to turn it. Dustin, sorry. Nolan, I'm going to... Did I say Dustin was hosting Dustin. a minute ago? Good God. That's going to happen a lot. Uh, I was just editing... A show tonight's tonight's show is going to be a big crossover event between complete the list and beat my guest and triviality and trivial warfare. We all got together to do a show. Wow. wow. And so I had awesome. Andy and AJ on at the same time and I messed up their oh. names every time. Every time. If you think that's bad, at one point where I worked we had Nolan, Nathan, Nate, and Ryan. <laughs> there I worked you go. in a place with Four Jessicas out of like eleven employees. I said, the minute you hire a second Dustin, I'm walking out the door. <laughs> okay.
Round four, question number one. What is the name of the... Sorry. What are you doing? <laughs> Damn you, Seguritan, you evil human uh, spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Does it say... Okay. I was oh, just saying, my, my thing was in the corner, so... Yeah, yours in the middle, so I couldn't see, like, the, well, the widescreen version of that. That was correct. Damn you, Seguritan, you evil human spreadsheet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I thought West was the human spreadsheet. No, I, I, I don't know. No, you're, I'm pretty sure that's you, bud. Yeah. <laughs> you're, the, you're, you're the analog human Nice deflection there. Nice deflection. Um, you're the machine, remember? <laughs> what's, is the analog spreadsheet a card catalog or what? It's a whole stack of notebooks. <laughs> oh, that reminds or, me. Or I need to send you. I need to send you a new sticker. I can't. Uh, I can't have all these people putting stickers on your stuff without That's mine true. there. No, I. I do have uh, w- one of the TW stickers that I, I'll put on my next one. There we go. Yeah, I have to, yep. I'm going to need to get your address, Jeffrey. I want to send you some <laughs> of, of my art on stickers, also. Oh, cool. <laughs> to get hey, on there. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> hey, it's it's a first come first serve. I no, am I went, like I sticker no queen. To a sticker you have no either, idea. So. You need to send some stickers to Tara. Is what she's saying. Yes. You have no <laughs> oh, idea. Oh, I, I, am, I am. I'll, known I'll for my a, stickers. I'll take a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I we'll just, just like give at you the end all the link of the show, where you can buy them. Then, oh, see there, there. See, it's already turned into a business <laughs> venture. You see. Jeffrey's. I need to make my gift offers quietly. You're going to give him stickers for free. Well, and the rest of us have Jeffrey, to buy them. Jeffrey's is free advertising. <laughs> oh, okay. True. That's funny. Yeah, you'll have, you'll have to uh, Instagram yourself holding something with the sticker on it or something. Uh, <laughs> Instagram profile does say chief sticker. Just yeah, right. no, that, that's worth sending it to you. There you go. It's been so long since we heard the instructions that I could. <laughs> <laughs> If you want, I could help out. Time has passed. Everyone's beards have gotten longer. <laughs> <laughs> Except for mine, or maybe even mine. Uh, some whiskers <laughs> there, perhaps. <laughs>